It is Wednesday, September 9th. We are recording here our college football preview for the 2020 season. It's going to be interesting without Ohio State this year. Yeah, I mean, can we even call the national champion this year the national champion until they play Ohio State? I mean, it's just a weird college football season. You hope for the best. I mean, there's rumors the Big Ten might play in late October, early November. So who knows? Maybe we'll get a real national championship game. But we still got some interesting teams, got a lot of interesting players, got a lot of interesting storylines. I think I still think it's going to be a great season. I, I do too. But at the same time, it's going to be an asterisk season with the opt-outs. No Ohio State, who's the clear-cut number one team right now. And it's it's unfortunate the Big Ten screwed them over by not letting them join a different conference because I think somebody would have taken them easily. Uh, and there's a chance they come back, but I'm going to assume they don't. And we're not going to see Ohio State just with the way things have gone. And they haven't exactly really said anything encouraging to us that there would be a season later this year. So um, I think it's safe to assume they're out. And as far as these opt-outs go, there's a lot of talent um, that opted out this season. 22 of the top 50 players in college football, according to 247 Sports, would not be playing this season, either because they opted out or because their conference canceled on them. So that's also really unfortunate. Um, I thought Justin Fields needed this season. I didn't think he could actually afford to take it off. I mean, I think he would, he'd still be a first-round pick. I just don't know exactly where – he's going to go by him not playing this season. But it also helps that Trey Lance isn't really going to get a season as well. So maybe Justin Fields could still be the second quarterback taken this year. Uh, That remains to be seen. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, we're definitely in an unprecedented situation. Um, But look, I think Justin Fields had a good season last year. I mean, obviously, we've both looked at the take, and we know that there's parts of his game that definitely could, you know, uh, he can work on. But Again, you know, you hope that he gets some form of season this year that he can show off his ability. Same with uh, Trey Lance. But, yeah, I mean, if you look at um, the top 50 players in college football, according to 247 Sports, I mean, you just go down the list and you just see so many names of guys that just aren't playing. Like Pat Freemuth for Penn State, Kayvon Thibodeau, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman. You know, the list just goes Gregory Rousseau. Like, the, the list just goes on and on. And, you know, it's it's – it's unfortunate, but again, I think, you know, I think we got an interesting top 10 here that we're going to go over right now. Um, Jake and I spent a good amount of time trying to figure out which teams we think would be in the top 10. And I think we went for a little bit of a different approach. You know, we kind of wanted to throw some teams in there that, you know, maybe wouldn't be in the top 10 right away or, you know, have the potential to be a top 10 team, maybe even a college football playoff team. But there's a lot of storylines this year, um, and it was definitely tough to pick the best 10 teams in the country, even though we were missing two conferences. Yeah, it, it absolutely is a shame because Ohio State was the clear-cut number one, and it's actually it's really hard to pick any other team to win a title over them if Ohio State was going to play this season. And then you also have a couple other Big Ten teams that were dark horse contenders like Penn State before the opt-out. Um, happen and then as well as Minnesota was intriguing 
And then we're also not going to see a couple interesting Pac-12 teams like USC, but Keaton Slovis and their air raid attack and the surplus of wide receivers they have, even though they still have Clay Helton as a coach, as well as Arizona State, a team that a lot of people really liked coming into this year. And they were going to try to build off that momentum that they finished with in 2019. So it is a shame, but nevertheless, there will be college football. And we got a, a preseason top 10 to get to. Let's go ahead and jump right into this. All right, at number 10, we got a we got an interesting, interesting team one. here, to say the least. Uh, this is a dark horse contender for me. Uh, North Carolina. So Sam Howell is the leading cause of why we believe so much in this team. He should absolutely be a preseason Heisman candidate. He had an unbelievable freshman season, uh, taking advantage of that weak ACC conference last year. Uh, his 2019 stats, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and 3,641 yards. Um, they were a two-point conversion away from knocking off Clemson last season, and they returned just about everybody except their top offensive tackle. I think they'll be fine without him. Uh, the defense is suspect, but the Tar Heels are going to be able to win shootouts, I think, in my opinion. They got a key game late in the season against Notre Dame, but they get them at home. Um, and so, yeah, no, North Carolina, watch out for this team. Yeah, I mean, Mac Brown's been able to do an unbelievable job at getting, a, you know, fantastic recruits there. Uh, obviously, like Sam Howell and the receiving core and pretty much the whole offense is, I think, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous in the ACC. Um, but like you said, the big thing for them is going to be defense. You know, the defense has to be more consistent. And again, it's winning those close games. We know this is a team that could have won a lot more games last year. They lost six games, but all of those six games they lost were within 10 points. This is a team that I think will surprise a lot of people. I think they're going to make a huge jump, and I think they could potentially be, one, a top 10 team, and two, even a potential playoff team if they can – beat Notre Dame and maybe even give them Clemson a run for their money. Cause we know they gave Clemson a run for their money last year with when Clemson was a much more talented team. So, I mean, I think Sam Howell could be also potentially just a high, I mean, he's definitely a Heisman favorite uh, for the, you know, early on in the season already. Um, so really interesting team here. I'd like to see them do well too. You know, need a team to root for now that Ohio State's coming. <laughs> And obviously you got that North Carolina connection. So that's your excuse for rooting for them mm -hmm. season anyways. Shout out Mama so, Waters. Um, anyways, that's number 10. Moving on down to number nine. We got another dark horse team with some question marks though. Oklahoma State. Their offense is led by Chuba Hubbard, Heisman candidate most likely. Spencer Sanders, dual threat quarterback, and Tylen Wallace. Surprised he came back this season, by the way. He could have easily been a day two pick, maybe slid in the first round. Uh, the defense is, you know, eh, but this offense is going to be the best Oklahoma State at least has had in years. And since, Mason since Rudolph. the Mason Rudolph days, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting team. I, I mean, I, I know we've talked about them a lot over the past few months and just kind of trying to figure out where they're really at. Um, and again, it's the Big 12, so, you know, in retrospect, the defensive play is not going to be as important as the offensive play for them. And I think when you look on paper, they might have the best offense in the, um, in the Big 12, just in terms of guys, you know, having the numbers that are, you know, and already have been, you know, showing that they can produce at the top level. Um, you know, we know Texas is a little suspect. 
you know, Oklahoma obviously is a great team, but, you know, we really don't know how good they're going to be in terms of all the new offensive pieces that they have in. If it's like usual, they'll probably be fine. But in terms of seniority, this is an Oklahoma State team that's bringing back a lot of talent. And I really think they can make a run towards a, a playoff spot. Um, you know, if they can run the table in the uh, Big 12, make it to the, you know, the championship game, maybe they have one loss, you know, and they beat Oklahoma. Or one of their losses is to Oklahoma, and they play Oklahoma anyways. This is a team conversation for, you know, a college football playoff. The biggest thing for them is like in past years when they've been highly touted and highly ranked is not losing games to bad teams in the Big 12. I do not want to see Oklahoma State go on the road and lose to Kansas. And that's their demon. That's what's been that's what's been hurting them the past few years is that they just can't win these winnable games and they have to play better against Oklahoma. They have to play better against Oklahoma. But I think they're definitely on the level of Oklahoma. Absolutely. That Big 12 is up for grabs. Anyways. Moving on down to number eight on our list, we got the Auburn Tigers. Bo Nix, he's going to be – I have a lot to say on that. <laughs> Bo, Bo Nix, it's going to depend a lot on him, how well they do. Um, he stole the SEC Freshman of the Year award from Derek Stingley, obviously, and um, they're going to look to be college football playoff contenders this year. I don't know if that's going to be possible with how competitive the SEC is this year. I think it's a little difficult with the SEC West, particularly. I mean, there's just so many high. I mean, there's just so many great teams in the SEC West, and then you know, obviously, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, you know, are are coming back. Uh, but look, I I think a lot of the hate that Bo Nix get, and just this entire team in general, is not totally warranted. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Bo Nix just, you know, got the SEC Freshman of the Year award when it was obvious that uh, Derek Stanley should have had it. But again, I you're right where Bo Nix needs to have a jump in his play. Like I think this team basically revolves around how Bo Nix plays, um, and I think we're both definitely people that are not huge fans of Gus Malzahn, Malzahn's offense. But in defense of Auburn, this is a team that really, 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 really played well last year, even though they had four losses. And the reason behind that is that they had one of the toughest schedules in college football because not only did they play in the SEC West, but they also had non-conference games against Oregon, which they won. And then they went and beat, uh, and then they got, they got beaten by Minnesota in their ball game. But I don't think that was a good representation of what this, who this team is. And I think there's a lot to be excited here. If you're an Auburn fan, again, Bonex, I think personally, he showed signs of, 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 you know, really high level of uh, play last year, flashes of it. If he can be more consistent, they have a really good quarterback on their hands for the next two years. And they might have one of the best receiving prospects in college football in Seth Williams, who has made unbelievable plays for the the Tigers the last two seasons and will continue to do so. And then you got Anthony Swartz, the track star, who has unbelievable speed. And if they can just get him to, you know, have a little bit of a better um, route running tree and hands, you know, he could be also be one of the most explosive players in the SEC and if not all college football. So, I think there's a lot to be excited here if you're an Auburn fan. I think there's not a lot of expectations because of how crowded the SEC West is. Um, and the, really the only thing that I would say is a little bit concerning is the defensive line. I mean, obviously, they're going to be weak after losing Derek Brown, but they do have some good defenders and cornerback junior uh, Roger McCreary and uh, K.J. Britt's a solid linebacker. So I think if you're an Auburn fan, I think there's a lot to be excited about here. And I think, again, Bo Nix gets a lot of hate, but – if you can put up some good games against some of these SEC West teams, I think it's going to be interesting. And it's also important to mention, too, that when they played teams like Florida, 
obviously Bama, LSU, you know, those were wins and losses that were close games. And I think if they were playing close last year with those teams, I definitely, they, I think they can dance with them this year and, you know, maybe even win them too, especially against teams like Florida and uh, LSU. LSU particularly, I think is a game that Auburn should really be aiming to win. Absolutely. Again, though, and this team isn't going to be any pushover, but with just how competitive the SEC, specifically the SEC West, will be this season, it's just difficult to see uh, Auburn getting more than, you know, I don't know, six, seven wins and winning the SEC West and going on to play in the championship game for the conference. So um, they're going to be a team to watch for sure, though. And uh, no- it's going to be difficult. I think they're going to, I think the last thing to say on them is that they're definitely going to be a home record team and that they'll definitely upset someone that needs to beat them. And it will just make everything, you know, com- it will be like Jenga just falling down, you know, they'll just pull the piece out that makes it all crumble. So I think they can, you know, uh, even if they don't make the playoff, I think they'll be a fun team. Auburn's always down for a good upset. Like you always see whenever they get the Iron Bowl at their place, they always give Alabama their best look and they've stole the game. They stole wins from them the last couple of years. It's just you need to see a more consistent team like that. You need to see that from them throughout the whole season. So Auburn, yeah. I want to see that intensity in the in the Alabama game and all of those all their other games. There's this I, I understand that there's a different level of intensity for the Iron Bowl, but if they can bring that to other games, I mean, watching the Iron Bowl last year, that was a team that I looked at and was like, wow. I mean, if that team showed up to play LSU, maybe that's a different game. Um, and I think there's a lot to be excited about here. Um, you know, it's the SEC West is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And we all know that the Iron Bowl is low key the best rivalry in all college football everyone knows it's true it's produced the best games uh in recent years yes i would absolutely agree definitely recent okay number seven on this list we got notre dame this they're kind of controversial right now a lot of people assume they're an instant college football playoff contender i mean more so that they're already going to get a spot in the playoff I don't think that's the case. Okay, so obviously they bring back a decent-looking offense with Ian Book. They lost a lot of pieces. They lost Chase, Chase Claypool, tight end Cole Komet. Their, their running back, Tony Jones Jr., who had a couple big games for them last season. Th- those are their top op- three offensive weapons. But they do have the best O-line in college football, which cannot be understated. Every starter on that team uh, up front is going to be a day-one or day-two pick. Jafar Armstrong is supposed to be the guy in the backfield. We don't know yet. Um, defensively, I'm really intrigued by Jeremiah Owosu. He's a their Swiss Army knife. He's going to be all over the field making plays for them, and he could be a defensive player of the year. But the key to this season for me with Notre Dame is Ian Book has got to be better in big games. At Georgia, he was not at his best by any means. 29 for 47, 275 yards with two touchdowns and two picks. At Michigan, that was a rain game, so I guess he gets a pass, statistically speaking. But, they still got blown out. But yeah, though. they got blown out. And then I, <laughs> by Michigan, by Michigan, who was not even, they were barely a top ten team last season. They got blown out by Shea Patterson. Come on. And at home versus USC last season, seventeen for thirty-two, one hundred and sixty-five yards and a touchdown. That's not exactly eye popping, and they didn't exactly blow them out. So they need, they really need to be able to rely on Ian Book to pull out these close wins with his arm. And they got Clemson and North Carolina on their schedule this year. So good luck making the playoff. 
Yeah, I agree with you. You know, this is definitely going to be a tough season for Notre Dame. I think it's possible to make the playoff. I'm a little bit concerned about the weapons they have on the offensive side of the ball. You know, obviously Ian Book is fantastic, but, you know, it doesn't seem like there's a guy at wide receiver or tight end at running back like they had last year that's really going to make an impact for them. Um, but they look, they have to they have to win a game against Clemson or North Carolina to make the playoff. I think especially Clemson, if Notre Dame wants to have a chance at making the playoff, they got to beat them at least once. I, if they play them twice, I'm not sure how the championship's working out this year. But I think we have them at seven just because, you know, they're obviously a, a good team and they proved last year that they're decent. You know, at times they're a little inconsistent, but I would not be surprised by the end of the year if this is not a top 10 team. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoff. I think it's really hit or miss with Notre Dame. Yeah, the X factor for sure, though, I think we can both agree, is going to be Ian Book. Yeah, his his he's done it for them in in good you know in games. But again, yeah, the big games like sometimes you just think that he could just be doing a little bit more. But that also could be that he doesn't have a lot of help outside of you know his own legs when he's running around the pocket. Because when they played Georgia, I mean, they got to him a lot, and that wasn't necessarily his fault. I mean, I'm sure there's probably a reason they were hesitant to join a conference for all these years. So they didn't... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they might get their asses kicked now. Okay. At number six, we got another controversial team. You could argue maybe they're a little too high in our top preseason top ten as well. We got the LSU Tigers. So Finn and I, we're, we kept talking about this team because they lost so much talent. It's ridiculous. They lost 17 total starters. And I'm going to re- read them all off because it's just that incredible. They, they lost – Obviously, the quarterback, Joe Burrow, they lost their best edge defender, Caleb Von Chasen, wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, linebacker, Patrick Queen, running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Those are five first-round picks right there alone. Then they lost safety, Grant Delpit, their best corner, Christian Fulton. Actually, that's not true. It's Derek Stingley. Let let me (laughs) correct myself. Uh, (laughs) Best corner that graduated. Yeah, best corner that graduated. And then they lost guard, Damian Lewis. Center, Lloyd Christianberry. Linebacker, Jacob Phillips. Offensive tackle, Sadiq Charles. Defensive tackle, Rashard Lawrence. Tight end, Thad Moss. Tight end, Steven Sullivan. And then they obviously had wide receiver, Jamar Chase, opt out, as well as defensive uh, defensive tackle and projected day two pick, Tyler Chauvin, opt out as well. So they have a lot to replace. It's going to be a tough task just because of how good a lot of those players were. They were instrumental to that national championship run and miles brennan i've heard he's a much better prospect than joe burrow coming out of high school and he's gotten a year to learn under joe burrow so there's reason for optimism but at the same time they lost joe brady the uh, the passing game coordinator who was the mastermind behind the offense working and when you also have to consider that they brought in joe burrow maybe because they didn't have enough confidence in miles brennan so that is also something to consider and but, yeah, LSU lost a lot. It's going to be interesting to see where they fall this year. I think it's funny because we had spent the podcast saying unnecessary roughness was the clown of the week for saying LSU wasn't a top-10 team. Um, obviously, we didn't know Jamar Chase was going to opt out then. But I still think this team could be a top-10 team. Uh, you know, I think the talent's there. I think the coaching's there. Um, losing Jamar Chase is killer. It's, it's not ideal for a team that really needed every, you know, star player they could get this year. Losing their best player is definitely tough outside of Derek Stenley. But I really think people should look out for Miles Brennan. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's, you know, take, been a good leader for this team after Joe Burrow's, you know, left. 
And like Jake said, you know, he's the guy like he, you know, he understood was the understudy for Joe Burrow for about two years. And now he's the guy. I think he's in a perfect position to succeed. Um, and then again, you, you know, you lose Jamar Chase, but you still have Terrence Marshall and he caught 46 passes for 671 yards and 13 t- scores last year, which is pretty talented for a young guy. And, and I think he definitely has the ability to, you know, take the role as the you know number one receiver on the team. And then they also got tight end prospect Arik Gilbert, who I think is fantastic. So, you know, do I think it's, it's, it's likely that they make the playoff or win the SEC championship this year? No, but do I think they're a top 10 team still? I believe that they are. Um, and I think that, again, the SEC West is going to be tough, but still watch out for them to beat Bama or to beat Auburn or, you know, to beat anyone really in the SEC. I mean, this is still a, a high, you know, a very, very uh, well-coached, ta- uh, highly talented team, in my opinion. I also forgot to mention they lost uh, Marcel Brooks, the hybrid linebacker safety. He's a freak athlete. He went on to TCU for unknown reasons. Well, actually, I guess it's because he wanted to be closer to home, but who knows? Anyways, he was a projected starter, though. So that's 18 starters, really, that they lost. It's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah some you don't really see – every day from your defending champ. Anyways, moving on down to number five, we got another big 12 team here, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is going to be really interesting because they got a new quarterback, but you have to give Lincoln Riley the benefit of the doubt. He's made Heisman finalists out of his quarterbacks the last, what, three years now. Um, it's, it's going to be, it's pretty impressive. It's really impressive. And they got plenty of depth at wide receiver to play <laughs> CD lambs production. So And Spencer Rattler, he's supposed to be the truth. I don't know. We have yet to see. Running back's a bit of a question mark. Trey Sermon left for Ohio State. And obviously, that did not work out well for him. <laughs> and Kennedy. <laughs> and Ken, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps it didn't work out for him. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe he should have stayed. And I really liked him. Uh, very unfortunate for him. Uh, Kennedy Brooks opted out as well. So that is a big bummer for Oklahoma at running back. Defense, though, is my main concern because they lost Kenneth Murray. Uh, Neville Gallimore is gone as well. He was their defensive tackle. Uh, no superstars in the secondary either. Bookie. Hey, they got Bookie, though. Bookie is. They got Bookie. Bookie's, <laughs> Bookie is not the Bookie we expected. Uh, to say, I mean, I always knew he was a bust. I remember in high school, like senior year, we were saying how he, this guy's not good. He's small. He just hits hard. He just has a hit stick. And then you see him for Oklahoma, and he gets just basically disqualified from almost every game, yeah. or gets at least one personal contact foul. But it, <laughs> so yeah. Funny. But anyways, but again, it doesn't really matter in the Big Twelve until you get to the playoff and have an actual SEC or ACC or Big Ten team. Well, not Big Ten this year. You know, blow you out because you have no defense. I mean. I'm going to be honest. I think every big 12 defense is probably weaker than the marginal line. Like they're not, it's just awful there. Well, in Oklahoma last season, we saw some semblance of a defense. They were inconsistent, obviously, but it was a much better defense than we had seen from a big 12 team in a while. And they lost a lot of those big pieces on the defense. So it's just like a lot of other top 10 teams in our preseason top 10, it's going to be wait and see with this defense to see, how much of a contender are they really? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to watch Spencer Rattler play. I think he's maybe got the most potential out of any of the uh, Oklahoma quarterbacks, uh, 
you know, that have won the Heisman or been a Heisman finalist in the last few years. Um, his talent in high school was unmatched. I mean, passing yards leader in Arizona. Um, really, really, really talented guy. Um, I think one of the bigger concerns, too, is the receiver position. You know, losing Jordan Hazelwood for the season is is brutal. Um, a lot of people had him pegged as a guy that was really going to be a breakout player this year. But watch out for Charleston Rambo. Um, he made a lot of good plays last year uh, for Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, a deep threat, has a good body, you know, size at around 6'1", um, good hands, you know, just kind of an all-around pretty big, strong, fast receiver. And he's got breakaway speed as well. He could become Rattler's favorite target. And watch out for him to be a potential first-round pick. Um, really, really, really uh, good receiver there for Oklahoma. Um, and I, do you, do either of us think this is a team that's going to make any damage if they made the playoffs simply for just going undefeated in the Big 12? Because uh, I wouldn't think so. Again, it's going to be a wait and see with the defense. We got to see what they got on that side of the ball first before we can really make any judgments. It's hard to tell, though, when you're playing other Big 12 teams. I guess, you know, you just got to – well, I mean, I'd like to see how they play against Oklahoma State. I'd like to see how they play against Texas. Um, but, you know, we were going to get into it a little bit later. But now since we're on our last Big 12 team, I would say that we really think that there's a decent amount of contenders in the Big 12, um, you know, Oklahoma's got a shot. Texas got a shot. TCU's even got a shot. We talked about TCU a few months ago, you know, and then even out Iowa State and Baylor got good chances, you know, with decent young quarterbacks at the helm. I mean, Brock Purdy could be a potential dark horse Heisman. So it could just be like a gunslinging, you know, shootout league where we just see like 56 to, you know, 62 scores like every, you know, every game just because there's no defenses. <laughs> be a lot like NCAA football. Yeah, if we see the typical Big 12 season where there's a ton of injuries everywhere and dysfunction and second half collapses, I, it, the divisions, the conference is open for I love grabs. to see it. It's it's just it's just turning into the the mess of college football, and it's so fun because you just watch these games and you're like, if these teams were in any other major division in college football, they would get the they would be destroyed. They get blown out. Yeah, there's a reason why their game of week game of the weeks are so fun to watch. So, <laughs> all right, let's go down to number four. We got an SEC team here, the Georgia Bulldogs. They've made some headlines with Jamie Newman deciding to opt out of the season. Uh, Finn and I both thought he needed to play this season. It didn't make a ton of sense for him to opt out. It must have been just the fear of getting Corona or whatever. But anyways, it supposedly it's supposed to be JT Daniels' job to lose. And I've heard that's not the case. Dewan Mathis, be on the lookout for him. 6'5", 200, with, he's got a good arm. Apparently, he's challenging JT Daniels for that starting quarterback job. I mean, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to prove that he is the great QB that everyone dumbed him to be when he came out of uh, modern day. From what I saw his freshman year at USC, to his advantage, he was significantly younger than everybody else. But I wasn't entirely impressed, and then. Obviously, he got injured last year, and then Keaton Slovis won the job. JT Daniels needs to come off the. He needs to come to the first game firing on all cylinders. I really want to see him produce early and really kind of explode to be one of the better quarterbacks in college football. I think he has the ability to do it. He has a massive upgrade in talent, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, wide receivers at USC are great, but compared to where they were his freshman year, to compare what he has now at Georgia with George Pickens. I think it's going to be a great situation for him. You know, 
I think it'd be interesting to see if he struggles, what Kirby Smart will do at the quarterback position. But, I mean, uh, we both I, – I mean, this I would say this. I think if JT Daniels doesn't play well, we might see Georgia, you know, rely on its defense like it did last year. and You know, that can get you so far, but at some point you're going to play a really talented offense and, you know, lose. Um, but if JT Daniels can play, you know, up to the uh, his potential, I think we're seriously talking about Georgia taking the reins as the number one team in college football really early into the season if he comes off, you know, playing hot at the start. Um because they realistically they are a quarterback away from a national championship team. I mean the defense is unbelievable, and Zamir White's a great player as well at running back. Like there's weapons all over the field, and then their recruiting class even this year that they brought in for the defense with guys like Keely Ringo is insane. Yeah, and also don't forget about the defense. This might be the best returning defense in the SEC. It, I think it is the best returning different defense in all of college football. I mean um, they. In, in all of college world, I think the only team that really gave them, like, a bad loss was against LSU in the SEC championship game. Before that, I think they were averaging opponents, like, under 18 points a game or something like that, which is absurd. So, but again, their biggest test is – their biggest test for me is going to be Florida and any of the SEC West teams that they play. And I believe I think they're playing Auburn and Bama. I could be wrong there. But – it's going to be tough for them, but I think that if they can get JT Daniels to produce, we're talking about a, a national contender, maybe even my favorite to win the national title. Yeah, and the offense, they changed up their scheme. They're going to be pass first. It's some type of a spread or air raid. So there's some upside there with JT Daniels as well. Might develop really well in that offense. He's got George Pickens. George Pickens is unreal. Might be the best receiver in college football now um, with all these opt-outs. And, um, yeah, that defense as well. They got first-round picks on that in the secondary. Richard LeCount. Um, and they yep. they have three legit corners as well. So that's going to be a fun team to watch this season. All right. Now we got at number three, Flo Rida. Number three. This is a <laughs> this is our number one dark horse team right here, the Florida Gators. And we're going to – there's a couple of reasons why. So this team – First of all, did not have a single student-athlete opt-out of this season, uh, just like Ohio State, except we're going to see Florida actually play this season, so that's why we really like them. <laughs> and they also added some key transfers. They got the running back, Lorenzo Lingard from Miami, and outside linebacker, dynamic edge rusher, Brenton Cox Jr., both expected to make huge impacts. Marco Wilson and Sean Davis lead a terrific secondary. This might actually be the best secondary in the SEC right here. They're contending with Georgia. That's going to make the Florida-Georgia game really fun. Awesome game. This is going to be the best that game has been in years. And we really like Kyle Trask as well. We think year two with Dan Mullen, he could be really successful. It's a daunting conference for sure. But if they they make it undefeated all the way to the SEC championship game, who knows? Yeah, and this is a crazy stat. But under Dan Mullen, the Gators scored over 400 points in back-to-back seasons. They had not done that since 2009 with Tim Tebow. So I really like Dan Mullen. His staff obviously is, you know, one maybe one of the best in college football. And, again, we watched the tape on Kyle Trask. Makes a lot of solid throws. Has good cadence. You know, is comfortable in the pocket. And, you know, I think this is a team that may not have, you know, like a huge star name that you might know about, you know – at any position on the field, you know, I don't think there's a guy that they have that is like the superstar of college football, 
but they have base at every position. They have guys that are solid and, you know, are, I wouldn't say unproven, but unknown. Um, and it makes them a very dangerous team. And again, if you watched some of their games last season, I think the Miami Florida game was a bad representation of that team. It was just a messy game. But after that, like it was a different team. Um, and Kyle Trask, if there's anybody I think that has the ability to maybe have, I don't think anyone will replicate a Joe Burrow season, what he did, but to have a similar, you know, trajectory as a guy in his fifth, his last year, you know, really taking that next step. I think it's going to be Kyle Trask, um, particularly in the SEC. Um, so this team is dangerous. I think that, I think overall collectively as, as a team, they may be the best in the SEC in terms of just at every position, you know, they seem to have a player that's pretty solid. And they also have one of the best tight ends in uh, college football as well. in Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Kyle Pitts. I think he is the biggest offensive mismatch in college football this season. He is going to create problems for SEC defenses. And they also got the deep threat. Uh, Tony, he is super fast. Yeah. And Trayvon Grimes is also a solid receiver as well. So a lot of reasons to like watch Florida out for Florida, season. man. Watch out for Florida. Yeah, you heard it here first. Florida. Real are... G, real G's, real G's know that Florida is the team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that's our official dark horse contender this season. All right, moving on down to number two, we got Clemson, uh, and for obvious reasons, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Amari Rogers. But then you look around with the rest of this team, and that's about it. They lost a ton of starters. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, A.J. Terrell, T. Higgins, Kayla Vaughn Wallace, Tanner Muse, John Simpson, Tremaine Ingram, uh, and then obviously Justin Ross was already listed as out for the season. And then they got a huge bomb that Xavier Thomas was going to opt out because he got Rona and it, he didn't do too well with it. And he's just not going to be in playing shape for a while, apparently, according to Dabo. And so we won't see him. He's arguably the second best edge uh, defender in college football behind uh, Gregory Rousseau, who also opted out. So this Clemson team is going to ha- struggle trying to replace these guys. I wonder how competitive they're really going to be. We know how good Trevor Lawrence is, but how is he going to be able to pick up the rest of this team? And they, cause they got a lot of holes. I mean, I think it, it really, it comes down to the play of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. And if, if, you know, they can carry this team, uh, you know, all the way through the season. Uh, again, I think we're still, talking about Trevor Lawrence so I think it it's very clear that they're going to make the playoffs but they should be careful they should be worried because look they struggled against teams I mean UNC only lost to them because they failed on a two-point conversion you know that was obviously early in the season but that was with a lot more talent than they have now so and this you know the ACC has only gotten stronger Clemson's going to have to watch out there's a lot of good ACC uh, teams out there that could sneak up on them and you know snag a win off them like just like Pitt did when uh, Deshaun Watson was at the helm so they're obviously number two coming in because they were in the national title and you know they're obviously returning the best player maybe in all college football and Trevor Lawrence but I think there's definitely a lot to be concerned here if you're a Clemson fan more so than in recent years hey an immense amount of young talent on both sides of the ball I mean Brian Baris considered I think one of the best defensive ends uh coming in in the 2021 class and obviously they bring in guys in every class so watch for a lot of guys to step up that you haven't heard about because they were just you know waiting in the uh the ranks so this is still a clemson team that's definitely dangerous to win a national title and don't forget so clemson suffered a 
super shocking regular season loss two years ago in Trevor Lawrence's first year starting. I don't think he was a starter at that point. I think it was still Kelly Bryant. And they lost to Pitt, and everybody's like, wow. I think this year that team's going to be North Carolina. Look for North Carolina to upset Clemson this year. It's very possible. They almost did it last year. And exactly. They almost did it last year. The ACC overall got a little bit better, and Clemson got – it doesn't seem like they really improved at all. So, Yeah, Miami got better with Derek King coming in. Uh, you know, Virginia's still solid. Virginia Tech's getting better. Obviously, Notre Dame now involved. I mean, the ACC is definitely going to be a little more competitive than it usually has been in the past two seasons. And that being said, Clemson at number two. So you can guess who's number one for us. It's going to be Alabama. Oh, I hate <laughs> we, we got Alabama at number one. Before we start off, the reason I have Al- – well, the reason I put Bama at one was simply just looking at the team. They have so much talent coming back that you just didn't think was going to come back that I think you have to give them the benefit of the doubt, even though there's a lot of people that aren't Mac Jones believers. Um, I thought he looked decent in his outings. Auburn, he made a lot of mistakes, but he also made a lot of great throws. And if he can minimize the mistakes, I think you're talking about a guy that still could be up there, maybe even be again, as we've said before many times today, a dark horse Heisman candidate. But not even, you know, regarding quarterback, I mean, they bring, they're bringing back Najee Harris. They're bringing back Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, and right there you could argue that that might be the best wide receiver duo in the country. And I honestly think Jalen Waddle might be the most ex- explosive and most exciting player to watch this year. I mean, he single-handedly almost beat Auburn. Um, and again, going back to quarterback, if you see Mac Jones struggle, we could get Bryce Young to play. And people are dubbing Bryce Young as maybe one of the better quarterbacks that we've seen um, come onto you know the college football scene in a long time. Um Played really well for modern day. Will he play like JT Daniels or will he play like Tua? I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards Tua, but it's an interesting team. And the last thing I think that I, that I saw that really made me realize this is probably the number one team coming into the season was them getting Dylan Moses back after he suffered an ACL last year. That is huge for this defense. He's an unbelievable linebacker. He's their Swiss Army knife. And then they also have Patrick Sertain who might be able to compete with Derek Stinley as one of the best cornerbacks in college football. Now, I have him at number one now, but I will make this clear. I do not think this team will be number one or even make the playoff. I think coming into the season, they're the best team in regards to the talent that they have. But in the end, I think teams are going to beat them simply because of the struggles I think Mac Jones will have at quarterback. And I still still believe that because of how competitive the SEC West is, they're bound to lose one or two games. And I think Georgia and Florida are better teams. But I'm going to give Alabama the benefit of the doubt and make them number one simply because I think they're coming in this year with the most talent. But I don't know if this makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to say it's they're number one, but I really – like, I, I just don't think I wanted to bring Florida number one because they didn't have the, the backing of last year, you know, to say that, yeah, they're the number one team. I think – But neither did Alabama – which is true, but it's a tough one, man. I think any of these top four teams could be number one. I just think Alabama's getting Dylan Moses back. I don't think a lot of people understand this. Joe Clatt was talking about it on Fox Sports. That is maybe one of the biggest storylines out of college football, him coming back to Bama. Like, he could single-handedly change that defense. I, I actually like Dylan Moses more than Micah Parsons and then the draft coming up, coming up next year. Uh, I just like it. He's I think he's got better instincts, and 
he's a little more versatile, you know, between, you know, rushing the passer or dropping into coverage compared to Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons, they just talk about how much of a freak athlete he is. And I don't think they talk enough about actual football uh, with him. So, yeah, Dylan Moses, definitely, he's going to be a defensive player of the year candidate for sure. He's going to, he's going to be the reason that defense is so good. But, you know, Alabama is absolutely stacked everywhere except quarterback. We just don't know what we're going to be getting at quarterback, like a lot of, a lot of other contenders. And you could, like, so last season, LSU and Alabama, I think they, they tied with the same number of first-round picks with five. This year, we could see Alabama have six or seven. That's how stacked this team is. Yeah, it's really impressive. And again, I think Clemson would be here at number one over Bama if they didn't lose so much talent. Um, and it's it's just easier to look at Bama okay, okay, and go, okay, overall, we know that Bama, Bama's replacing a lot of their talent with just even more talent. And Clemson, you have a lot more question marks. That's not to say Clemson's not going to have the same talent. It's just what we know what we're already getting with Bama. So um, again, I don't think they're going to be here by the end of the year, but I think going into the season, they are definitely the most talented team on paper. Yeah. So anyways, that's our top 10. It's subject to change. And we're really excited for this college football season to start. So we want to talk. So happy for (laughs) a lot of games to start. I mean, last week there was games, but like we all know we want the big conference. Last last week was like week (laughs) zero and a half. Like it wasn't legitimate week one. It 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 felt like more of a preseason than anything Uh, else. So anyways, let's talk, we want to talk about a couple interesting teams that did not make the cut. Um, number one, we got Cincinnati. Cincinnati is going to be good with their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. And um, it's he showed a lot of flashes of uh, potential last season. And I want to see him be a little more consistent and see what he can do in the American this year, especially with, I think, Memphis. will have a down year because they lost a lot. Um, and so, yeah, Cincinnati, that's a team to watch in the American for sure. Then we got Ole Miss. Jake's Jake's got Ole Miss here. I'm I'm wondering about this one. You what do you what do you mean you got Ole Miss here with Lane Kiffin? What the hell is this? So, yeah, Ole Miss. Th- <laughs> this team is making the top ten. Here. I'm not super high. I'm, I'm not oh super God. high on them this year. But Lane Kiffin is is future. <laughs> Lane Kiffin is the truth. I think um, he's back in the SEC as the co- head coach of Ole Miss this time. He's bringing his spread offense with him. He's got. Quarterback John Rice, uh, Reese Plumlee to work with, and running back Jerry and Eli. It's going to be a fun and exciting season. Plumlee was much better running the football than winning from the pocket, so he needs to he needs to make strides as a passer, especially if he wants to keep the starting quarterback job. And the defense is a lot of new parts, and it ranked the worst last season in total yardage in the SEC. Um, they and it's going to be really competitive again in the SEC West. But and the lane train, I think, is really a year away from really leaving the station. So <laughs> upset from them. Don't be surprised, but this team is still a year away. I wouldn't be surprised. Same with Mississippi state with Mike Leach there. Uh, it, and then they also got, uh, they got KJ Costello from uh, Stanford. It's possible, but I don't think Mississippi state has the horses to really compete with their, just kind of, I don't think they'll no, but I think they might upset too. Like Ole Miss, but, I'm just the lane train. Do you remember the Tosh.0? Oh, uh, do you ever see the Tosh.0 oh special where he did the uh, Kiffin's Corner? And he's like, no pain, no pain. <laughs> yeah, that love that video. Love that video for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, and then 
One last team we got on this list. Actually, we got two teams. So TCU, we talked about them a little bit, but uh, we really liked the the offseason hype and the momentum they had coming into the season. But then we found out Max Duggan, he's going to miss a significant amount of time now with a health condition. TCU does not know when he'll be coming back. We're not sure about his replacement, Matthew Downing, but the defense looks promising. They got safeties, Trayvon Morrig and Ardarius Washington, linebacker Garrett Wallet. He's apparently the best player on that defense. He's better than Trayvon Morrig, apparently, so that's how good he is. And Trayvon Morrig was for, was for preseason first-team All-American for Trayvon. So, yeah, that's very interesting. And then they got the yep. interesting transfer, uh, the linebacker-safety hybrid, Marcel Brooks from LSU. He's Again, he's a freak athlete. But they got to figure out the DB spot as well. The quarterback and DB are their two um, question marks. So, and I don't know how well they're going to fare without Max Duggan. Crazy still how they got Zach Evans. That whole situation was nuts. Yeah, and then, Finn, you got a surprise team on this list. You got Pitt. Well, I wouldn't say that they're a team that, you know, would be hovering around the top 10 at all. But uh, if you look at this Pitt team, they're one of the older teams in the ACC, and they have maybe one of the best defensive lines in college football. Uh, There's a lot of NFL caliber uh, uh, draftees on uh, that side of the ball. And again, this is another team in the ACC. You know, look for them to watch out for them to trip up, you know. In our opinion, I would say probably the top three teams in UNC, Clemson, and Notre Dame. But I certainly think they will upset somebody. That is my call in the ACC. Pitt will upset somebody with that unbelievable defense. Interesting take. We'll have to see if that holds up. Big bo- big hogs on the, on the defense. And that's ball. Finn's below. Chunk <laughs> City, Finn's baby. appetizer for this. <laughs> Chunk City. <laughs> that's his baloney take for the week. Comes with a little Basta and Bolognese. Oh, Okay, and let's talk about a couple overrated teams going into this season. So, number one, number one, we, we, we do not understand why this team gets so much hype, especially on from elite college football. We got Texas A&M here. Kellen Mond, he's been the starter for two years now. And why is everyone saying he's going to pop now? I don't understand. Uh, he makes questionable decisions, seems a bit anxious in the pocket to me when he's pressured. Um, and we don't know what we're getting from that defense. Yeah, we watched the film, and, and and he makes unbelievable sideline throws. So you're like, oh, where did that come from? <laughs> like, what is it? What's he doing making that type of throw? And then he throws a duck over the middle, and you're like, okay, well, it, I don't understand how this guy is considered a top level talent that's going to be a Heisman dark horse. I, I haven't seen it in two years. And again, I don't. I think we, you can argue that okay, oh, why do you think Kyle Trask is so good? And it's like. Caltrus is one in a much better system with a lot more talent. And Kalamaz had, I think, an extra year on him, too. And, again, I, I think both of us just saw some flashes of talent, but nothing that really would say that this guy's going to lead Texas A&M to a national championship or a college football playoff run, especially in the SEC West. Yeah, Texas A&M, it's, it's going to be interesting. They're in the SEC West as well it's going to be super competitive and there's just not enough wins to go around for everybody. I think they're going to be one of the teams that uh, will not do so well in that conference. Um, Moving on down. So we talked about Notre Dame. I don't know if I really want to keep them on this list, but I do think they're overrated. A lot of people are just already handing them a college football playoff spot, which I completely disagree with. I think Ian Book, he's a good QB. The defense is solid. But we just haven't seen him pop, and he 
it doesn't seem like he really has the it factor. Yeah, again, I think we we you know we nailed this one in already earlier when we talked about Notre Dame. But I, you know, I agree. I think that to give them a sure-handed college football playoff spot, it's just not fair to any of the other teams in the ACC that definitely can compete with them. So we'll see with Ian Book. I mean, I'm a fan of Ian Book, but I also think that he definitely has to you know take that next step and be one of the college football. And then last but not oh, man, they. they... The greatest team. This in is quote unquote DBU here. <laughs> DB, this is everything. This is QBU. This is RBU. This yeah. is wide receiver U. This is offensive line U. Yeah, this is head coach this is U. This is everything right here. This is everything. <laughs> yeah, we, we got tech. Texas News <laughs> we Daily. We got Texas baby. here. Uh, so the Longhorns. Sam Ellinger, best quarterback in college. A lot football. of people are like, they act like he is, which I don't understand. Okay. I watched a little bit of film on him this morning, and I definitely want to watch more. Uh, I watched his game against Oklahoma State last year. He makes solid cro- throws. Like, I, I cannot lie. The guy does make solid throws. You know, I think his completion percentage is pretty good. But I don't know how much of that is, one, against bad Big 12 defenses. And two, we need this. I don't think we've seen him in really a game against like even against LSU last year like he didn't show up and you know tow it down with Joe Burrow you know like it was obvious Joe Burrow was the better quarterback so I think this team basically lives and breathes through Sam Ellinger so if that's the case if Sam Ellinger for some reason has a Heisman type season then maybe we're talking about Texas being a top 10 team but even then I don't think they've proven at least anything to me over the last two years that this is a team that should be in the same conversation as Oh, even Oklahoma and, you know, teams like Alabama and any team really in the SEC West that's in the top 10. I mean, I just don't know if they have. And who knows? Maybe this is the year they change that. But we've been waiting on Sam Ellinger to pop for, what, two years now? And it just hasn't happened. No, exactly. And so last season they had five games where they scored 27 points or less. They lost four of those games. And don't blame it on the defense because those were those were close games. Those were still very winnable games. Sam Ellinger just did not show up. So, and those were all against Big 12 teams. So, you know those are winnable games. Those defenses are not that good. And they have two top 50 players um, in college football, linebacker Joseph Asai and safety Caden Stearns. But the pass rush is questionable on defense. Um, And the team doesn't have reliable corners either. They struggled big time with injuries last season. So, odds are they will be much more healthy this season. And the other thing with Texas is they need to be better on the road this season. They lost the neutral site Red River rivalry game versus Oklahoma last season. And then they proceeded to lose at TCU, at Iowa State, and at Baylor. That's unacceptable, especially if you, especially for a yeah, team that with big title expectations. Uh, they got a big conference game on Halloween. They traveled to Stillwater to face Oklahoma State. They need to win that game if they want to be in the Big 12 championship game. So, yeah, a lot riding on this season, especially with Sam Ellinger. We're back. And, yeah, we're, 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 still, <laughs> Not we're <yet>. still waiting <laughs> on that. So, yeah, Sam Ellinger. It's been two years against the Georgia team that didn't care at all yeah, about winning This that is the game. year to deliver. But, Anyways, oh well. let's get. It's always the year to deliver. So. All right, yeah, let's, let's go to our playoff predictions. So, 
who do you want? You want uh, me to go first? Or? Actually, yeah, yeah, you, you go first. You go first. All right, all right, I'll go first. I'll go first. All right, so this it's so funny because this goes against – this is so different. It goes a little bit against my top ten, but, again, I think it's important to make the distinction between preseason and what's down the road. Um, and for me, I think going into the playoff, I think the two SEC teams, and I think there will be definitely two SEC teams, but the two that are going to be in there for me are Georgia and Florida. I really have faith that JT Daniels can actually turn into the quarterback that Georgia needs to be successful. And I think they will lose to Florida, but Florida will then go on to beat whoever comes out of the SEC West. And whoever that SEC West team will probably already have at least one or two losses. So I think that's how Georgia will get in at the four spot. Um, and then at number three, I don't know. Maybe this is my inner fan of just be like, this is maybe just the inner part of me that's a fan of Ian Book. But I think Notre Dame can do it. I think this is the year that Notre Dame can finally, you know, compete in the ACC, you know, have some guys on offense, jump up and make plays and become, the, you know, the guys that they need to succeed. And I think that you could argue UNC here. I would love to put North Carolina here. I just think they're still a little bit young. And, you know, I think it's a little too early to put them in that conversation just yet. But I think, again, if Notre Dame gets to this position, and for me here, it's either Notre Dame or Oklahoma. Um, I even, honestly, I had it here too where it's slashed Oklahoma. So I think here you go at Notre Dame or you go Oklahoma, depending on how Notre Dame plays against Clemson and whether they play them twice. Um, I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma has a shot, but I also think the Big 12 could also be um, – this could be a year with the Big 12. There's just too many teams that have one, you know, two losses or three losses. Um, and then to quickly go to number two, I obviously have Florida going in. I think they're going to be undefeated going into the college football playoff. I think this is the team to beat in the SEC this year. Um, and then at number one, I think Clemson's still going to go undefeated. I think they're going to have talent that's going to come through the ranks and really, uh, you know, perform for them. Trevor Lawrence, obviously, if he's still there, this team's definitely going to be in the conversation for a national title. So I have them coming in, going undefeated in the the ACC and and sitting nice and comfortable up that up at that number one spot. But for my championship game, I have Florida winning, and it's because I think I you know a season in, in a straight up SEC shootout with much better defenses, much better offenses, just much better talent overall. It's going to, it's going to prove to be um, deadly for them in the, in the championship game. And I think they will be Clemson. So you got Florida going undefeated. You think they'll take care of business in the SEC championship game against, I'm assuming Alabama. I think this is a team for as this year's version of LSU. I think there's a lot of interesting, interesting players for this team. And it seems like the culmination of something that's been coming together over the last few years. And I really like what Dan Mullen's done down there. So we agree on Florida, but we're not, we definitely don't agree on Notre Dame. I don't have Notre Dame sniffing the playoff this year. I got, so my, my four teams, here we go. I got Clemson going undefeated and they'll probably take the number one spot. I got Alabama at number two. I think they'll go undefeated as well. Most likely. Uh, Number three, I got North Carolina. I think they, will give Notre Dame that a crucial loss. I think they take the third playoff spot, especially because they're not going to match up Clemson and North Carolina at one and four. They're not going to want to see them play again in the playoff in the semifinal. That's what they do with, if there's any two conferences in the playoff. So I think they'll get the third spot. And then number four, I got Florida taking the last and final spot. Oklahoma's playoff 
streak is going to come to an end, I think, this year, because I think the Big 12 will just be chaos and everybody's going to beat each other. So there's no, not going to be a clear-cut number one. Um, anyways, so that being said, moving on to my national championship, I got Florida upsetting Clemson. I think Florida's got the dogs to make it. And I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to have enough help ultimately, even though he obviously is the better quarterback. So I got Florida going on to the national championship. And I got North Carolina upsetting Bama as well. I think Sam Howell might just get it done for them. And so it's going to be a Florida-North Carolina national championship. And I got and I got the Gators taking wow. it this year. They're going to bring the title back to Gainesville. Wow. I, I Again, that third spot is just so – because Ohio State's not in it, it just changes everything. Because now you look at those, like, third and fourth spots and you're like, wow, there's, like, six, seven teams that could be here realistically so it's it's going to be a crazy college football season i am so pumped for it and with that being said i think we'll wrap it up here uh we'll have an nfl preview coming out soon i mean football's coming here it's here man it is tomorrow tomorrow night night. it's here it's 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 finally here uh we'll still be watching some baseball and some basketball though of course you know can't can't padre's about to be in the playoffs for the first time in you know centuries and a lot of exciting stuff coming uh, in the future for this podcast. There, there's good, it's going to be a lot of football on the way. Obviously, basketball is still going on, the NBA. And then we got, we're going to be covering a lot of the MOB playoffs because the Padres are going to make it. And we'll see how far they go. That's going to be exciting to watch, too. But yeah, football is back. We're excited. Uh, best. What? <laughs> best time of the year. I'm pumped, yeah, man. pumped, even though his fantasy team is quite garbage. To say the least, what what do you talk? Okay, that's okay. That's not fit. There's a few things that are wrong with that statement. <laughs> we're, we're yeah, we're, we're out of time. We gotta we gotta get out of here. So <laughs> that's gonna do it for today's show. Uh, follow us on Instagram at st sports talk if you haven't already, and on Twitter as well at st sports talk underscore. We post highlights from the show there. Tweet we tweet our opinions in the moment. Feel free to DM us topics or hot takes you want us to cover. Next time, we're going to do our NFL season predictions. We're going to do our second episode this week. And uh, so look out for that. Catch us with new episodes every Friday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, and Anchor. Thanks. We'll see you next time.